Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast Series. Today we have Dr. Grant Swallows, Superintendent of Ward County Schools in McMinnville, Tennessee, as our guest. Dr. Swallows shares his experience with managing a serious crisis on campus and how he and his team managed the situation and effectively communicated with parents and students. Welcome, everyone, again to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linevers, Vice President of Plexus, and I'm very excited to have our guest today, Dr. Grant Swallows from Warren County Schools in Tennessee, uh, the Director of Schools. And as I've talked to other um, Director of Schools and Superintendents in Tennessee, sometimes that's used interchangeably. And I, was, I know it was elected officials to non-elected officials, and so Directors of Schools it is. How, how are you doing today, Grant? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always confusing. I was in California a couple of weeks ago, and when I say director of schools there, they're like, I don't even know what that means. But uh, we uh, we always have to follow it up. Director slash superintendent. In Tennessee, they know what director of schools is, but superintendent, same thing, used interchangeably. Now that I have had, I don't know, a number of podcasts and a friend who lives outside Nashville, now a good friend, he's explained it all, and I'm like, got it. Yeah. For me, yeah, yeah. I get it. so people mention I'm like, yeah, they're superintendents. Oh, that's right. okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean that those little things that we're talking about, the difference between superintendent and director of schools, which aren't different. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, in your role as a superintendent, you do a lot of that kind of language unpacking for people, don't you? Sure. Yeah, it's it's a challenge with education. You go in and you start talking about acronyms and uh, the state just adopted a new funding formula that is now called uh, TISA, T-I-S-A, Tennessee Investment in Student Achievement. Uh, our former acronym was BEP, Basic Education Program, uh, and people just start to glaze over much like maybe your <laughs> listeners are doing now, but uh you know, uh, my, it's interesting. My wife is uh, she's not really worked in education. And so I try to use her as a basis of does this even make sense? And she's like, not really. And so we 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 have to unpack that for people and make sure it's in common language. You know, I think that's such a really good point about that piece alone within education that you're raising teachers, raising kids, raising, I say raising because we do really, really raise teachers, new teachers, you raise them up along with the kids to teach them how to go out and understand a multitude of things and think about what do acronyms mean? What do the implications mean? Right. What does the application mean? Yeah. Education is incredibly complex. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that, but certainly over the last couple of years, we've seen just new challenges. We are dealing with things, uh, you know, ultimately in my district currently, uh, this would be my third year as the director or superintendent. And that tells you a lot about my intelligence level. I took over in 2020, right in the middle (laughs) of a, uh, a pandemic, but Heading into this school year, I was thinking, okay, great. We won't have to worry about the sicknesses and the, and do we close? Do we stay open? But guess what? I should have never thought that. I mean, we are experiencing levels of flu sickness and mm. uh, that we've just never experienced before. We had a, an elementary school two weeks ago that 
had a 37% absentee rate, which is just unprecedented. And that's a pre-K through fifth grade elementary school. Being a former high school principal, I would say, oh, well, those kids are just laying out. But pre-K through five, they don't lay out. They want to go <laughs> to school. And so, again, wow. to, to your point of teachers are dealing with things that they've just never dealt with before, teaching to half classrooms or dealing with mandates that are coming down from the federal level or the local level or whatever. And so uh, it is incredibly complex. Uh, and then at the end of the day, you tear all that away and they are just trying to love on and bring up, as you said, raise kids. And uh, we're doing that at levels that we've never really seen before and providing things that we've never really seen, but had had to do before. And so uh, I, I say this often, uh, you know, our first responders and our military, we're, we're coming up on Veterans Day and yeah. uh, they get all right. the respect and they need and deserve all the respect. But uh, just alongside those same groups, I, I, I value our teachers and our educators and our staff that give up their lives basically every day to go in and, and take care of our kids. And so that's, uh, that's really what motivates me administratively every day to, to go support those folks that are doing that. And uh, ultimately, we, if we remember we're here for the kids, it helps us uh, navigate some of those other difficult spots. So that, that's really true. Now, I know there's something in your district that, was, that you've been dealing with recently, but before we jump into that, I'm just really interested about your journey to being a superintendent, kind of what got you into education in the first place? And now you're here. Yeah, great question. So uh, I, uh, my, both my parents were educators and okay. I'll be honest with you, went to college and said, like most educators, kids said, uh, there's no way I'm going to be a teacher. Uh, <laughs> so I got an English journalism degree. I uh, wanted okay. to be the next uh, guy on ESPN. I was, a, I was an athlete, wanted to be a part of that. And I uh, got into that and quickly realized that, that maybe that wasn't uh, the path that was for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think you're just made for things and uh, yeah. teaching was calling and uh, I answered that call. And uh, so this will uh, end my uh, 19th year in education. And so I've uh, gotten through that journey, started at my high school alma mater, actually teaching and coaching uh, before I got the opportunity to move into an administrative role there as an assistant principal. And then uh, later as a principal in another district, uh, high school principal, actually where my, my wife's alma mater, uh, <laughs> and then um, spent nine years as a high school principal. And uh, as I said, in 2020, I got the opportunity to uh, take over as a director of school superintendent here in Warren County. So, um, you know, I, I, people ask me, well, do you like your new job? Well, I've been in three years, so it's not new anymore. But at the same time, you know, I love what I do. I like to, I like a new challenge. Uh, I miss being around kids every day. Uh, they're the they're the kind of thing that keep you going, I believe, yeah. uh, because they're the ones that are smiling or having a great day, or maybe even the opposite of that. They're not having a great day, and you get the opportunity to hopefully try to help there. But um, you know, I miss that part of it. But at the same time, I have a, a, a belief that I'm hopefully getting the opportunity to affect that on a grander scale uh, from a district leadership standpoint. So. Um, 
I like to say education is kind of the family business. And uh, so uh, love what I do. And uh, I didn't near have near this much gray hair uh, as a high school principal <laughs> as I do now. But, you know, that's just the way life goes as we get older. Right. That's right. We earn this gray hair. It doesn't right. just come by accident. That's right. That's I didn't even color it to get it this way. It's just that's like, right. It's <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I love that you worked at your alma mater and your wife's alma mater. Probably the yeah. outfits have changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, it, you know, being a high school principal is a very challenging job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're dealing, first of all, you're dealing with teenagers in massive amounts of change. Yeah. And there was a podcast I had with Henry Turner out of Newton North High School near Boston. Mm-hmm. And he, he, I loved what he said. He said that high school is the last time that everyone's forced to be together. Yeah. So you, you having the opportunity to be the high school principal, how did that prepare you for your director of schools role? Well, I'm going to take it one a step further back. I think yeah. everything you do prepares you for uh, maybe even later in life. I, I mentioned athletics. I was yes. I was a part of teams, and you know, ultimately, I felt like as a as a part of that team and learning athletics, that my job as a leader was to try to get people in the right places and let them do the, do the work. And so ultimately that really came to fruition as a high school principal of, you know, we were about 1200 students. And just, as you said, it's just a massive undertaking every day uh, when you go to be a high school principal. I mean, it's just on you every day. You've got students and teachers and just a variety of needs. And so uh, really understood the importance of the fact that you've got to have great people around you and uh, allow them to do their job, prepare them and allow them to do their job. Because uh, as you said, you're dealing with 14 to 18 year old students and um, you know, it might be one thing one day and completely different the next day, or maybe even shorter than that. It might be one thing one hour, and and then again the next hour might be something different because of the presence of social media and cell phones and how connected we are today. Things just move so quickly, and but you know, I loved that part of it. The passion that I have for schools are building that culture. Um, I want them to learn math, science. Uh, language arts, but really I saw more as a high school principal kids learning in those extracurricular activities or, or whatever they were taking part in. Um, They learn, they, they, they get up in the morning for those things. When we get them to school, then we've got to teach them math, science and language arts and whatever else they're doing, But, but it's the experiences that they want. And so trying to cultivate that, with a bunch of great people in a, a positive way in a high school was fascinating to me. I loved every minute of it. Now that's trying to be done for me among 12 schools in a bigger district, uh, which is a little bit hard. Uh, you know, as a principal, you can maybe affect more things quick, uh, more quickly uh, than you can as a superintendent, but uh, still, still the right work. Uh, it's still good work. And then you're just doing it on a different level. You're trying to prepare uh, yeah. building administrators in order for them to help build that culture. So uh, maybe working more with adults than I am kids, but still the, still the same work. And they, and empowering them to love those kids and do what they need to do to do their job. Well, that's yeah. that. I, I love that you get to do that. And the other superintendents I've had the honor to talk to, it's just, you know, your love of those principals and teachers really helps them feel inspired to go to work every day and show up for the kids and know that 
They have the resources. The Plexus Education Leadership Podcast is made possible with the generous support of the Plexus Foundation and UnlimitedTutoring.com. Visit us at www.unlimitedtutoring.com and learn more about our high-quality tutoring offering and affordable pricing packages. We're here and dedicated to your academic success. www.unlimitedtutoring.com Yeah, you you almost have to do it that way. If you don't remind, uh, if we are not reminded of why we do what we do, uh, it's easy to get out. And we're seeing that really at, I don't. I don't even want to call it record numbers because I, I. I don't. I don't even think record. I think you can just <laughs> after the last two years, you can throw records out the window. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I just think it's become more of a challenge, and really, educators are an easy dumping ground for things that are going on, and because we are such forefront. I mean, educators, teachers spend more time with kids than sometimes parents do and so uh, there's 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 kind of been an erosion of an erosion of that trust factor that i think we had maybe 15 20 years ago uh, and that's disappointing to me because you know again we 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 want to work together we want to we're on the same page about wanting the best for our kids uh, and ultimately uh, we just we it we see it succeed more often when the community and the parents and the kids and the students and the teachers and the educators all work together. Uh, yeah. the, the massive amount of things that are facing our kids today, they need a lot of champions. Uh, and, and we don't, and those champions don't need to be fighting each other. Uh, and so it's great work. I, I, I do love it. It, it. it can be tiresome and wearisome, but uh, just go visit uh, elementary PE class. And when you walk oh, in yes. and uh, they're like, hey, And uh, that's the time where you kind of get rejuvenated a little bit. Yeah. Come play with me, right? Let's go play. Well, and again, being a former high school principal, uh, we didn't do a lot of hugging, rightfully so. uh, But you go to these K through five, pre-K through five, and man, they just want to hug. And, you know, (laughs) that's wonderful. I love it. You know, so. They're like on your legs. You're dragging them around. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but, you know, when you mentioned the high schools as a coach, right, what sport did you coach? Uh, I actually coached football and baseball. So uh, uh, I did two for a little while, cut one out. And then uh, when I moved in administratively, just had to give that up. So you you know how to play with even the teenagers and that kind of environment that they love and the competition. And, you know, even the kids who were teammates who you saw potential but didn't believe in themselves. I mean, yeah. You must do that as well with the principals and teachers to be like, hey, you need to believe in yourself and what you're capable of because you really have it. How do you yeah. work with the principals and teachers to give them that that little bit of a bump every day, right? That yeah. additional self-efficacy that they can jump onto. Well, I think, again, it's important that uh, you, you present a team environment uh, and then fight back against the narrative. Um, mm, we like are so often uh, brought to the place of Facebook has three or four complaints about some, a decision that's been made at a school or a school district. And as a human, we take those to heart and think that that's the way everybody feels. Uh, and so that creates a narrative of, well, everybody hates this. We've got to get rid of it or we've got to change it. And uh, when, in fact, there's just two or three or maybe four people out there that are 
uh, not happy about the decision. And uh, so it's hard. You know, we've got to keep our minds in the right place administratively and through the school district, because, again, as I talk about being connected, we're always going to be connected. We're more connected than we ever have been. Uh, people are much more uh, readily available and much more willing to fire off a a two sentence email to the about something that they disagree with. And uh, as humans, we take that to heart. So trying to build administrative capacity of saying, Hey, everything's a data point. Everything is feedback, but let's don't go and get one email or two emails and think we've got to make massive changes. We've got to continue doing what we're doing. Right. We might have to tweak things here or there, uh, but that doesn't mean uh, that we're, we're completely in the wrong here. You know, I, I love that you make that point because when you look at the standards and the achievements and all the other data that you look at every single day, that one comment can't really redirect all that from the standpoint of, of the factual information you have, right? Yeah, but it right. does take people's emotions away, which is always that balance that you're talking about, you're trying to deal with. Yeah. Well, I think it's good. We, we've, we've, um, we've really tried to, we work with a company um, capturing kids' hearts that mm. uh, we've, we've implemented their strategies district wide. And, you know, they talk about affirmations and, you know, I'll be honest with you, when you talk about affirmations, everybody's like, Ooh, that kind of makes me feel funny. And uh, <laughs> we don't want to talk about that, but really if we don't use those affirmations or we don't come out and say, Hey, I believe you're doing a good job in this area then really all you're going to hear are those emails or those Facebook posts that are negative. And who really wants to live in a, in a, in a way or in a job that's just going to be constantly negative. So we're trying to work hard at doing that and affirming and saying, Hey, this is what we're doing well, but you know, at the same time, taking those things, other things as feedback and trying to adjust and not just massively go the other direction. I believe that that is what's causing our legislative issues is that we're hearing uh, our politicians are hearing from a very small minority. Mm -hmm. Politicians are doing what they are, have been elected to do, respond to issues of, that have been uh, brought to their attention. But then we're bringing these massive overhauls of the way we do things in education. And, and it makes it really tough for us in education to know or be able to do what we need to do to educate kids on a, you know, because we have so many mandates that we never had before. And, um, I, and I understand where those politicians are coming from, but at the same time, uh, I would like to for the, have that conversation with them as well to say, Hey, you know, this is why we do what we do. So maybe we don't have a complete pendulum swing the other direction. Yeah, such a good point. Why we do what we do. It's, there's never enough time to talk to people about that either. <laughs> Explain yeah. to them what, like what it really means for you to be in this role and what your schools are doing day in, day out. And I know, um, you know, I love to do a little research and things. You guys have had some serious safety stuff come up in your school in the past two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, you've already talked about working with your team, developing your team. I mean, when those things come up and you lean on your team to really come together in that. That's powerful. I, I was just curious, like, how did you all come together to talk about what happened um, with the kids and the firearms and all that stuff? All of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, this year, this is happening? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that even 
uh, I, I guess I sat at my desk last May, uh, the morning after the, the shooting in Texas at Uvalde. And uh, I, I just, if, if you weren't affected by that, I, I just don't know that you're human, frankly. And uh, so uh, we kind of sat as a team after that last May and said, you know what, we've got a community that is uh, just mindful of those things. And so we even this summer just tried to do some things that uh, put some information out there about what the Warren County School District was doing in terms of safety. Uh, and then so we did that. And then we get into the school year and for about eight weeks, everything was pretty calm. And uh, but then in the life of a school system, one incident uh, happens and it creates ripples uh, that we're, you know, still dealing with, honestly. And so I, I guess I want to start with the fact that um, from a team perspective, I couldn't be prouder of mm. the fact that our team responded in the way that it did. Um, and that's no, you know, that's no negative. I'm not trying to shed a negative light on any school that's had to go through what some of these schools are going through with shooting school shootings. I'm also of the belief that we could have bulletproof class and, and, you know, be completely fortified uh, and there would still be some chance of, of some problems that occurring, but we have to prepare our, our teachers, our employees to react when uh, presented with these situations. And, you know, the one incident really that has brought the most notoriety for us the last couple of weeks is we, uh, ultimately had a firearm brought on campus. And, uh, but what I'm very proud of is that once that firearm, I, actually, I'm not, I, can't, I shouldn't even use the term proud and a firearm brought on campus in the same sentence, but ultimately we were presented with an issue. And in less than four minutes, that issue was completely resolved. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. so that's, that's why you're proud of your employees for doing the right thing and being ready and prepared because every school building in America is different. Every one of them, they're not the same. They have different, and, you have 12 even if they, and even if they were, I know. And even if they were the same layout and the same exact school building, you have different people, you have different uh, procedures. And so we have to be diligent in building our team and making sure that they're prepared to deal with these unique circumstances that come. And frankly, uh, I, I shared with a, a parent this morning, we are on the same side of, of the school safety. Um, uh, I don't even want to call it an argument. It's not an argument, but we all want the same thing. We want our kids to be safe. Yes. Uh, we're working yes. very diligently every day to make sure that that happens. And we want to join with parents in order to make that happen. And really the best way to do that is to love on kids, make sure that they're connected with somebody, something, some club, some class, some teacher, anything. Make sure that they're connected with that so that we can know when things are going wrong or something's not right in their world and then try to protect them with that. And so, um, you know, you got you have to absolutely have great people. Uh, that's why I've said you've got to put the right people in the right places and let them work. And then that's when that takes care of things. I mean, that, that's why when I was reading the articles, I was, I was more interested in how you guys supported each other as a team. And I love that you talked about that because, you know, we know incidents like this are lightning rods for all sorts of conversation and what it means. And, you know, what are you going to do? And, you know, finger pointing. But 
The reality is, is you did deal with it. You worked with obviously local law enforcement officials, and that shows that relationship, your ability to call on each other in these times. And that's what we do in education on all levels. Because they think about you as a superintendent, you have safety, you have transportation, right? You have budget, you have people. I mean, you deal with just about everything. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And and so that's why it's important to have those folks. Uh, I mean, and then, you know, we learn from those situations, too. Yes. I mean, that, that's the thing that maybe is a misnomer, I feel like, for school systems is, uh, are that, you know, when this continues to happen and throughout our country, which is just a travesty and, and, and tragedies all over, uh, we begin to get the connotation of, well, school systems just don't care. They're not going to respond. But I mean, nothing could be further from the truth because we need to learn. We need to understand, well, okay, what, what happened? What allowed this to happen? Uh, And then sometimes those situations are out of our hands, but what I love nothing more than after this specific situation is the principal call and say, Hey, can you come over and sit down with us and let's talk about maybe what we could do differently or what we could do to help or where do we go from here? And well, this is what worked. This is not what worked. Uh, and, you know, and, and school systems are our own worst enemy for that, though, too. We we do that amongst ourselves and maybe we don't give that. Uh, we don't put that out publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Good people point. just think, hey, we, we better not do anything. It's just going to happen again. Uh, when in fact that's not actually true and so we are trying to do that as well trying to be a little bit more transparent because school systems are in a tough place we can't just you know publicize the fact that uh, make anything public about students i mean we we have to follow a very strict protocol when it comes to that but that's right we can communicate to our communities and uh, to our stakeholders hey here's what we're doing this is what we do this is why we do it. And um, most of the time when you can have that conversation, most people will agree with you. Uh, I won't say all, but most people will agree with you. You probably found that more than like, not everyone's going to agree with me, but we're going to make the best possible decision. That's right. Well, I mean, I really applaud you all for how you all handled that. And again, I know you shared a little bit, but what I read, it's just, it's so important that like you said, you create a safe environment so that people want to bring their kids to school, but it really does take us as parents who are outside the schools to make that environment safe. So when the kids come, it comes with us as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you look, I mean, schools can be successful in lots of ways. Uh, yes. If you look at test scores, you know, a, a vast majority of the students that score well on tests have a stable home environment uh, to where they're getting that encouragement from home uh, as well as really good teaching and learning and, and good uh, relationships being built at school. Uh, And it's the same is true for safety. Uh, We have to be able to trust each other. Parents have to trust us as educators and we have to trust parents in order for the, for this to work. It's not going to work if that trust is eroded uh, and we start to blame each other and we start to say, hey, you know, you did this. Well, you did this. Well, I mean, again, let's go back to what is our goal? Teaching, educating, loving, uh, keeping kids safe. uh, And let's use that as our baseline and not the blame game. 
Yeah, the blame game just doesn't work. It doesn't work at home when you're arguing with your brother or sister. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work in the bigger com context either. You know, how yeah. long have you guys been working with capturing kids' hearts? I, I really like that you do that with them. And that must have changed the culture of the school a little bit too. Well, it's still a work in progress, but uh, we we began that two years ago. Uh, started with our okay. high school and middle school the first year, and then uh, we brought our all of the rest of our schools on uh, the following year. And um, you know, really really pleased with the focused work around that. Our middle school was actually named the National Showcase School. Uh, which was only, uh, I believe, uh, that we were the second district in Tennessee to, to have one of those uh, recognitions. And so uh, kind, of a, uh, kind of a story there uh, that the middle school lost their principal to uh, he unfortunately passed away in the middle of the school year with a, uh, some heart issues and mm. uh, um, had an assistant principal that assumed that role in an interim um fashion and then actually took over permanently as the executive principal and uh, has really led that work well in that school building and um, among other things I mean just surviving when you have tragedy like that and so uh, Capturing Kids Hearts has been a good great partnership with us they uh, they they just do a good job of putting things together in a way that helps us focus on um, making sure that we're keeping kids at the center of things and um, you know, I, I, one administrator said to me, hey, as a principal, teachers are the ones that are capturing kids' hearts. So as a principal, I need to capture teachers' hearts so that they're prepared to capture kids' hearts. And I was like, hey, that's a great, that's a, that's a great point uh, that we miss out on sometimes. So I'm uh, really proud of the work that they're doing and uh, hope to con- con- see that continue over the next couple of years. You know, it's true. We've got to capture those teacher hearts. They got, they want to come to work and do a great job. I, I know one of the um, elementary schools, my kids went to many years ago, they, all the teachers love the principal. Now we as parents didn't know him over well. We knew him a little bit right. um, and he was around a great guy, but the teachers loved him. Like absolutely love this guy. It just happened to be a guy, but yeah. To know that the teachers love the principal was so reassuring to me as a parent. Yeah. But they're not backstabbing the principal to us. They're not talking smack for like a better term. You know, it's, yeah. we're really talking about what we're doing as a school community versus trying to tear someone down. And yeah. that's such a good point. And that's a school with a great culture. I mean, just the way you described it, that's a school with a great culture. And uh, I heard. Uh, Dr. Bill Daggett say one time, uh, you know, culture trumps strategy. And, and I'm a firm believer in that. If you believe, if you build the right culture, then all that strategy is going to take care of itself. If that culture piece is not there, uh, then, then we're going to struggle because then we start to fight each other and then we start to um, point fingers and, and it's just not good for kids. Oh, that's very, very true. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And it's, it's great to hear that your middle school is, embracing that and i'm sure all of your schools are too and you know things like capturing kids heart i know it takes time that's like a a long-term type of thing it's not overnight so the kids come through and then those that graduate see the ones that are coming in like hey they're just like me right and you kind of see them cycle through um go ahead no i was just going to say even more so over the last two years with what we've experienced with covid and you know just breaks and out and in and uh, and isolation and things like that. It's even more important going forward that we are focused on that mental aspect of things for our kids. Oh, that's so true. 
That's really true. Yeah. You know, you talked about things that people find boring earlier, like digging in. Well, I was reading your strategic plan. <laughs> okay. I liked it too. Yeah. You know, be, I, I love reading those because it, everything we try to do, you know, even at Plexus, our nonprofit, we have a strategic plan. We try to point everything back to those goals. Yeah. You know, and you're coming up on the fifth year of your one that's ending this year. Are you working on a new one? What's next? What do you guys got on the table for that? Yeah, great question. Uh, so really, we uh, I inherited that uh, strategic plan. It was done pr- uh, prior to me getting here. And so um, it was really, actually, it was just so helpful for me. I wasn't in this district because I was able to walk into a document that said, okay, here's what we've been working on and you know, continue those things. Uh, but I, I mentioned earlier that the state is undergoing, uh, you know, a, a new focus uh, oh, yeah. Pizza. Uh, yeah, yeah. financially. And so there are some things that go along with that uh, where our school board or our school system is going to have to set annual goals uh, around achievement and some other things in order to make sure that uh, we are hitting the, the things that are required for this funding model. So uh, basically what I said to the board last spring was, hey, we're coming to the end of this strategic plan. It still works for us to an extent. So let's leave it for right now in place until we know more about what is going to be required with this new funding model. Mm. And then that way we have all the data points for when we build the new one. And so I think um, the new funding model will actually go into effect next year. Uh, And so we are learning. I've pretty much spent until the last two weeks, I was spending a lot of time trying to figure all those things out. And then I believe we'll start to work with our community and our schools, uh, kind of jotted some ideas down on paper, would like to do a um, uh, an opportunity where I go out to the schools and sit down with teachers, give them an opportunity to come talk to me about, hey, what do you, what's working? What's not working? What can we do to improve? And then Again, that's building data points that I bring back to our school board, and uh, yeah. we talk about what looks what what do we do next for strategic a strategic plan. I think I like that you're you're waiting to figure out what's next versus just building something that won't fit because yeah. then that messes with everything. Like yeah. that culture, you work so hard <laughs> that that'll completely be lost with the strategy. So I yeah. like that you're protecting that. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to yeah. do something and, and leave it sitting on your desk and never look at it. I mean, if you're going to do a strategic plan, it needs to fit what is the current are what are the current challenges that we're facing. And, then, you know, um, I hate to say that a lot of that goes back to funding, but, you know, ultimately we we have to use funds to support these initiatives. And so, um, you know, our, our, our state is really focused on. Uh, college and career readiness, not college or career readiness, college and career readiness, and uh, and really are putting some funds behind that. And uh, I told you I have an English journalism degree. Yeah, I didn't really learn what I wanted to do until I got out of college. Uh, so asking a kid in seventh grade to say, hey, here's what you're going to do <laughs> when you get out of college is kind of a little silly to me. However, exposing them to different careers in seventh and eighth grade to where they can kind of get an idea. And then if this is something you think you're interested in, let's kind of work that direction because 
what I love as a director or even as a high school principal was when we would expose kids to, let's say they felt like they wanted to work in the health science field. Yeah, It was great when they were able to have some field experience and they loved it. But I'll be honest with you, the flip side of that was just as encouraging to me. A kid went out to health science and was like, you know what? I don't like this. I don't want to do this. That's <laughs> true. That's okay with me. You need to know they're, they're figuring it out a lot earlier than going to school, spending tons of money, getting trained, and then getting out in the workforce and going back. You know what? This is terrible. I'm not doing this anymore. And that's so right. uh, that's an important part of the school system. And uh, I think that kind of correlates into what our strategic plan is going to look like is that we've got to build a, a, a structure for our kids to be exposed to um, the workforce or what they're going to have to do in order to get to where they want to be when they leave us. I like that. And you're building that, having the opportunities for kids to really explore. And you're right about sometimes you need to learn what you don't want to do to make the choice of what you do want to do. That's right. Yeah. Is, right. is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap things up? And I mean, it's been the time's flown by. It's been a great conversation. I just want to give you that opportunity. Well, I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to you know talk about what's going on in Warren County or just not even for me, but giving educators the the opportunity to talk about what's going on. Because, as I said, we are notoriously bad at uh, being good uh, public relations uh, folks because um, there's only so many things that we can say. But uh, the the thing that I want to champion are our educators and the great work that they're doing in the face of mm. some pretty tough circumstances. So that opportunity to speak with you is is great, and uh, hopefully the folks listening will understand. Hey, I need to go out and maybe send a, an encouraging email to my child's teacher as opposed to uh, why didn't my child's uh, homework make it home last night? Uh, you know, maybe start that email with, hey, thanks for being good to my kid. Uh, however, I don't know that he made it home with home, uh, homework tonight. So, uh, but I appreciate that. I appreciate this opportunity and uh, appreciate the good work you guys are doing. Yeah, you're welcome. So nice to have you. And I really appreciate your time and what you've had to share. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you, Grant. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.